Welcome to Sisters Voices. My name is Pudu Blamo. Today we are speaking to the Executive Director of the Pastoral Women's Council in Tanzania. Welcome, Manda. Can you please tell our listeners who you are, a little bit about yourself, and what you do for the Pastoral Women's Council, like what your job entails, and how long you've worked for the organization? Thank you very much. I am Manda Goitiko from Northern Tanzania. I'm from a pastoralist society, which are dependent on keeping livestock cows and sheep. And I grew up in a patriarchy society in northern Tanzania. I am a mother of five children. I'm a founder and a director of Pastoral Women's Council. And I have been working in this organization for the last 20 years. PwC started as a forum for Maasai women to meet and discuss their strategic and practical issues in the community. And when I say we have come from a pastoralist society like any other African tribe, it's a very, very patriarchal society whereby all your decision-making as a girl is all dictated and determined by the family and the clan and the community. What I do with Pastoral Women's Council, um, we actually have three thematic areas. One of our foundation of existence is really girls' education. PwC was formed to challenge the deep-rooted norms which prevent young women or girls to realize their potentials. So PwC started really working very closely to mobilize women through women's groups, individual parents, and especially working with head of schools to try very hard to oppose those norms and to open up opportunities for these girls to to make their own choices and, and the only way they can make better choices in life or determine their lives is through education. We are running a secondary school whereby we rescue a lot of mercy girls who are fleeing from forced marriages. And we also work with public schools, mobilize the young girls to be assertive, to make their own decision and understand because the law of our country really support girls. So you have a place to run to when you make your own decision. And the first thing is for girls to understand their rights and act upon them. We do this through working with women groups, working with school headmasters, working with Ministry of Education, especially at the district level and village level. So this is one of the key personal women's council objective. As a Maasai woman, I went through this process and it was painful and it was very difficult, but I managed to get my way because I was strong to oppose all those pressures, but it was not easy. And then we also work with economic empowerment. Uh, we work with over 10,000 women in northern Tanzania through groups. They do a lot of business. They meet frequently to discuss their own businesses, but also to discuss many other issues, including domestic violence, land rights issues, and this is one of the key, really, objectives. Through economic empowerment, we empower women. One of the key deep-rooted of massive communities that women are not able to own and control livestock and land. So we work through what we call women solidarity bombers. These are the homestead whereby women manage and control livestock. One of the key objectives in that is really to challenge deep-rooted norms toward property ownership by women. And this has been a very empowering model because women have a platform to, to come and discuss. We believe in solidarity. And this bombers has been really like controlled and run by women. And they make decisions on um, livestock selling, livestock fattening, and livestock distribution. And this is a key kind of an activity to challenge practically uh, ongoing myth regarding women property ownership. But also we have a... Another key department, which we call Women Rights and Leadership, 
this is actually where we practically talk about women leadership. Where are we as women? What about leadership? When you talk about leadership, you are giving someone um, rights to dictate on your behalf or to make decision regardless whether bad decision or good decision on your behalf. You are giving someone power to control you indirectly. So what is the position of women in influencing this? If you are a bad leader, what are the consequences in relation to the entire society? If you are a good leader, how does it work? So this is where we really, we do mentoring of young girls and mentoring of women to take up leadership positions, starting from the, the village councils all the way to the district level. And this is really like, is a power struggle because you are talking about a society whereby all decision-making and processes are designed to protect one sex and make the other sex really powerless. We are starting training youth in schools on the importance of girls' education and the importance of women leadership in schools and the whole issue of rights, for example, child protection policies. We feel like this is very important really to start these discussions with youth when uh, at early stage. When you were talking about the issue of challenging the power struggle or the power dynamics in your community. You use the word struggle to describe it. So I, can you tell me a bit of how your community has reacted to the cause and the mission of PwC? What's the reception been like for your organization and for the women and girls who partake in your programs? Actually, when we started uh, PwC over the last 20 years, and even it is the struggle now, it has always really been a very big challenge. For example, you found a girl who had been engaged to get married when she was maybe seven years. PwC, we intervene in a situation like that. So sometimes we are perceived as an organization which break relationships, an organization which is breaking um, marriage and creating a new generation of Maasai women who are not respectful to their family. And we sometimes perceived as an organization which is too strong and too transformative, which transforms the norms and we have been asked many questions. What do you really want to see PwC for? What do you want to see these girls doing? For the first time in history, we have five Maasai districts in Arusha, in Arusha, mainly in northern Tanzania. And during our last election, uh, five women actually stood up and, and, and contested as member of parliament. And this was very, very, very critical. They didn't want the position. But it was very, very powering and very powerful to see them standing in big meetings, challenging the power struggle, challenging the role of men in the community, and increasingly stand and talk about how they can address existing problems within the community. We started with very few members, and now we have over 13,000 women members across the three districts in northern Tanzania that we work with. So we are a very strong movement. As we work hard, we have seen a lot of PwC products, education products, coming back as teachers, come back as doctors, come back as lawyers, come back as activists, is very much also encouraging and is very, very motivational. For example, in a school where we run, we have 70% of teachers are actually PwC education products. Men are increasingly increasingly uh, encouraging their daughters to study. They work hard in groups to generate money so they can support girls' education. And to me, this is very important as a founder because when we started BWC, we could not get even one single Maasai girl to support. But also I have to acknowledge that we have a lot of support from men also. 
And we have just started a program whereby we are developing a securing community curriculum. We totally focused on women, working with women throughout for the last 20 years. So we are currently seeing the best way to continue exclusively working with women, address strategic and practical gender issues in our community, but also really try to see how do we change the big norms that are continuing to marginalize women. And finally, we want to see a generation of Maasai community which respect equality and equity of all. Last year, 2020, was not an easy year. COVID-19 came. So I just want to find out from you how COVID shifted the strategies of your work. How has the pandemic impacted the way you engage with your constituents and the way you engage with the people who your organization caters to? Yeah, this is a very critical and an important question because it's very practical. COVID has significantly affected PwC work and especially we had to change the ways of working. For example, we are no longer organizing big meetings because of COVID. We are, we are trying to use our paralegals and training of trainers of FICOBAS to reach our target group. And we have developed a mechanism to work more, um, to work to use internet more or WhatsApp more to communicate. But it's also a challenge because the majority of our members can't even read and write. So it's also a really big challenge. But more importantly, uh, the donors' landscape has been so much significantly changing. We have three foundations who have been supporting our education work. They have closed altogether. And uh, now we are, we are doing more of community local fundraising to continue supporting girls' scholarships. And especially those girls who have been in university, you, can, you cannot just tell them to drop. So the best way that we have been really trying to cope with this big loss of funding is to do a local fundraising. So if I have 10,000 Tanzania shillings, I can contribute if you have five. And this has been really the way that we coped, especially to continue supporting girls' scholarship. But also one of the key areas that is very much affected, all of these groups, they have been really depending on selling their products and livestock, especially in Kenya. So during COVID, the lockdown has significantly affected our local uh, producers and local sellers. So because the mobility of community was very much controlled, it was controlled in the border and it was very difficult. So the you see a lot of businesses have fell down and uh, also tourism has been a significant part of our economic uh, growth and a lot of people are dependent on tourism in northern Tanzania. And a lot of companies are closing down or they have closed down and so many people are fired and left their jobs and tourism is so much affected and is directly linking linked to the survival and of, of so many community members in the area where we work. And so poverty is increasing a lot. It's frustrating, but also we still have hope that we can always cope in northern Tanzania, especially uh, in Maasai community, we don't have computers and a lot of our students are so much affected because during the lockdown, they have to go back home. The, the areas are very, very remote. You, you hardly access some of the area. There is no road and the infrastructure is very poor. And because there is no technology facilities, our students have lost so much. They just went back to school and uh, it has been very, very difficult. And I feel like this has significantly affected a lot of students, a lot of Maasai students in the rural areas especially. But we have also shifted as an organization. We use Zoom more 
with our, to meet with our board, to do management meetings. And it has been also really good to have technology around. We had to really like use technology to kind of continue strengthening the work of PwC. I feel inspired by how much you are doing to cater to your rural students, not just your urban students. And thank you so much for coming to the podcast today. This is all the time we have. I could talk to you and we could have this conversation forever. But I just want to say thank you so much for being a part of the podcast recording, Manda. It's been wonderful. Most welcome. And we are looking forward definitely to continue working with you. Yeah, we really appreciate our partnership with AWPS.